Hey everybody, welcome back to the DOG. And today we have, uh, man, we're drinking a pretty good whiskey right now. I think uh, LT's on his second glass, and I'm about halfway through my first. Uh, I think I'm okay because I, I I think I can still talk normally now. Yeah, we'll we'll see by about uh, halfway through. See see how you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> halfway falling out the chair and everything. I don't right. get that bad. Well, at least we we got a little bit smarter now. We kept the bottle downstairs because when we bring the bottle up, uh, we tend to uh, drink more. So more than what? Uh, well, drink more than we should. Ah, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. I do not agree with that sentiment. I think we need to find the perfect the perfect balance of whiskey intake to podcast recording. The answer is all of it. <laughs> I don't know, because that, that could lead to uh, just mumbling. Yeah, it absolutely could. Anyway, so today on Bartender Weekly, we are drinking Johnny Walker Gold Label Reserve Blended Scotch Whiskey. Uh, this is actually, I think it's really tasty. It is. Um, so uh, before we get into what we think of it, uh, from the johnnywalker.com website, uh, the website explains... Or describes the whiskey as our creamy blend of Speyside and Highland whiskeys with a touch of West Coast embers, renowned for its delicate honey notes and gentle oak and smoke finish. Now, I think that's definitely kind of what, what we get here. Uh, then a little further down, they start talking about the blend. Now, the Johnny Walker Gold Label Reserve is known for its creamy smoothiness. It opens a luxurious, luxurious, burst of delicate nectar and gentle smokiness that develops into sweet fruits and deeper velvety honeyed tones before giving way to sublime lingering whispers of smoke and oakiness in the finish i feel like i should just take my clothes off at this point like i feel like they're just trying to seduce me with all these luxurious words don't don't do it don't well i'll wait till you leave yes and then i'll just bathe myself in johnny walker Oh uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, the thing with Johnny Walker is, uh, I guess it's probably more well known than the other scotches that we drink because, you know, you find Johnny Walker anywhere. Um, it has a very big history and, and many types of uh, variations, but this one, uh, this is actually the first time in many, 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 many years of drinking Johnny Walker that I've actually drunk a Gold Label. I've drinking the Red Label. I've drinking Black Label, Green Label. I've drinking. I'm drinking drunk. Um, the blue uh, label is really nice. Blue at uh, blue label, um, expensive but it was really nice for a reason. Expensive yeah. for a reason though. Oh, it is definitely. Um, I mean, where where we're at, it, it's about two hundred two hundred bucks a bottle, um, and I bought a bottle because I wanted to uh, enjoy myself, and uh, had platinum uh, label as well. But this is actually the first time I've ever tried gold label. Yeah, it, it does not disappoint though. It is really good, I think. And Johnny Walker is usually a safe bet. You know, it's like if you you really can't go wrong grabbing a bottle of Johnny Walker. I mean, granted, you know, different whiskey drinkers will have different tastes. But if you're going somewhere or you just need a whiskey that you to just to drink, um, you you really can't go wrong with a Johnny Walker. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that because uh, just the taste. Uh, it's not heavy on the peat or smoke. It's not. Um, They're really smooth. It's not too smooth, but it has a nice. I don't want to say grit, but like it's definitely creamy and a little sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely like it, it feels like a whiskey. Yeah, definitely feels like a whiskey. 
Um, but it doesn't have like the uh, the eye lay feel. The eye, like it doesn't have that peat or smoke. Yeah, well, it's a space side. Well, it was it is a mix uh, of high space, space side. Yeah, so I, I with that blend, I I wouldn't expect the the peatiness, and and it just and this one has like a hint of smokiness. It does really play up the honey notes in it. Yeah, definitely. And so I think that you know, and that creamy te- uh, creamy uh, flavor. So I think that's uh, this will definitely be a uh, good choice. I'm probably gonna pick up a bottle of, of this myself here. I think this would be really good for a um, for a, like a flask carry, Ooh, yeah. right? Because yeah. then you know how typically I know when I go out, like you know, if I carry a flask, it typically becomes the party flask. Yeah. And so I know that if I have you know Johnny Walker, like people around me are gonna like that. Besides, like the specialty whiskeys, like the Islays and things like that. Well, and for me, Johnny Walker is my traveling whiskey. So if I'm gonna go somewhere where I'm gonna uh, did I show you my my gigantic flask I got for Christmas? You told me about it. Oh yeah, it fits a whole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it's hu- it's huge. Yeah, one point seven five. It says, oh yeah, wow. it fits the whole bottle with room to spare. <laughs> it's huge. So I got that uh, for Christmas, and uh, but generally when I travel, whether it's by train or plane, um, if I'm putting something in my flask, because generally Johnny Walker, I usually go with black or uh, green. Um, and like you said, yeah, it usually happens um, that it becomes the the party flask you're passing around. And if I don't want people drinking all my good shit, I don't usually feel bad if I share my Johnny Walker because it's it's reasonably priced and you know it's it's pretty decent whiskey. Uh, yeah, definitely. And also looking through the Johnny Walker uh, website, there is a ton a ton of different um, labels they make and types. Oh yeah, which is actually really surprising. Because not too many um, distilleries make uh, a, a large variety, uh, not like Johnny Walker. But I think Johnny Walker is just on that 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 next tier platform where they can manufacture like anything. Yeah. So I used to remember um, <coughs> tales of tales of partying. I used to I, I hear um, from my in laws and stuff like that about partying Jamaica. They uh, uh, my father in law when he used to throw parties. He would order cases of uh, of drinks, of bo- you know, of different drinks, and when you came, that was your. You would get a bottle. You didn't have to go poor guys. You had your own bottle to walk around and drink. And one of the things they used to serve all the time that was always present at his parties, besides Ray and nephew rum, was uh, some label of Johnny Walker. Damn right, <laughs> you got to have that on stock, though. You have to. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, you can't go. And I always also remember too. Uh, I th- always thought it was fun because uh, watching old movies and st- since I started drinking scotch, and, and, and you know, get really getting into whiskeys, I started watching some old older movies, and I always noticed like one of the scotches that was always present. And you know, when you used to see bars and stuff like that, there was always a Johnny Walker present. Even even yeah recently. yeah definitely they've yeah. been a huge brand for quite some time right, yeah. Even recently, in the um, what was the uh, uh, the the man called uh, the man from Uncle uh, movie that came out a couple of years oh ago? Oh yeah, with Henry Cavill. Yeah, and uh, Army Hammer. Ar- Arm, Arm, is his name Army Hammer? Arnie Hammer. Arnie Hammer. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he was he. I always I I busted up laughing when he pulled out the Johnny Walker. <laughs> ah, classic stereotype. Mainly because I was in the theater with a flask drinking Johnny <laughs> Walker. <laughs> 
was like, yeah, we got the same uh, taste. Going I'm just on. like you, man. I'm just <laughs> like you. Uh, yeah, so a little bit about Johnny Walker. Uh, so uh, Johnny Walker is a brand of Scotch whiskey now, now owned by Diageo that originated in the Scottish town of Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock. I don't even, like, I know that's exactly how I would say that word, but I know it's not well, s- said that way. It's like probably like Kilmarnock. When we, when we go to Scotland, we're uh, going to have to record people. We're going to be like, hey, we do a podcast and we drink a lot of scotch. <laughs> Although we need to start How do you say it. this town? <laughs> How do you pronounce this town correctly? And then we're just going to have a sound bite. So when we start <laughs> talking about it, we're just going to play. Oh, so this scotch is coming from. <laughs> that didn't sound like. That didn't sound like. I look. <laughs> the only Scottish I know, accents I know, I can't do a Sean Connery or anything. The closest I could get is a Scrooge McDuck. So that's what we're gonna <laughs> go with. We're gonna leave it at that. <laughs> so uh, this, so uh, Johnny Walker originated in the Scottish town of Kilmarnock, East Ayrshire. Uh, the brand was first established by grocer John Walker. It it is the most widely distributed brand of blended Scotch whiskey in the world, sold in almost every country, with annual sales of the equivalent of over two hundred twenty three point seven million 700 milliliter bottles in 2016. That is 1.56.6 million liters. That is a fuck ton of whiskey. That's a fuck ton of whiskey. Yeah. Um, but keep. anyway, so so also in keeping with the uh, the Dose Offensive Gentleman uh, tradition of toast, I have a special toast and uh it is uh it is actually relevant to today's podcast. You will see later on why. Um but uh ladies and gentlemen, this is to the long straight peace in Tetris. Cheers. <laughs> mm. Mm. That's good. That's good stuff. So definitely creamy. Very creamy. I like that. I like how it's not a light taste. It's full-bodied. It definitely has a um, little bit of nuts, a little bit of honey. Um, but it's well not over. It's not overbearing. A lot of honey, because like that's usually the honey notes is like the main thing I I taste from this. Yeah. Uh, pulling it down and hit the, you know, and and, and it still it seems to wash the whole way even when I let it go and hit the back of my throat. You could just you could taste that honeyness uh, of it. Uh, the nuttiness mm, to me is a little bit not too much, but that's that the honey is the main thing I get. Yeah, I think it's just like so smooth. It's like really, really smooth. Sometimes when I drink whiskey, it 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 goes down like like gravel, you know. And those are the whiskeys I normally stay away from. But those are like the forty-five plus percent. Um, yeah, the stuff that ABV. you can use to sterilize uh, medical equipment. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I will drink that neat, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and that's another thing, too, because, I mean, both of us, uh, I mean, a lot of people uh, will blend or mix scotch. I guess both of us are not real blended uh, or are mixed drink drinkers, so we prefer the neatness of it. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so like we don't mix. I mean, I mean, I actually, we, you know, very rarely we even do that. We we very rarely do the drop of, you know, add water to the scotch as well. Usually yeah, that's true. I mean, we usually do that as we're already drunk. 
<laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think to to really enjoy the whiskey, especially for for this effect, is uh, you have to drink it straight. Um, drink right. it as it comes in the bottle, as it's presented, and I think at that point you can kind of get much more of uh, the undertones, more of what the distillers were trying to get you to taste with uh, each different label or each different mix. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's important that you kind of a you kind of appreciate each piece of a drink. Like I really do actually like cocktails. But I don't like the Jack and Coke cocktails. I like the old fashions, the martinis, the, those well, things. I like, am I a like martini an man. Oh, absolutely! Like yeah. the actual, like an actual cocktail, like the sidecars, things like that. Yeah. Um, I actually really enjoy those. We will have to get those on the podcast sometime. But I feel like you have to appreciate each part of the cocktail individually in order to really appreciate how they all come together, because they have like a thing called like the mixologist. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's it's an, the new barman, right? It's <laughs> like no, it's a guy who knows how to make drinks. Is what it is. Like he actually knows how to make a fucking drink. Um, so you have those guys who are coming up with you know new ways to make drinks or making up new drinks or redoing old yeah. drinks or whatever. But well, I guess for me, it's a you know thing is because even growing up, I mean, my my affinity has always been to drink uh, liquor straight. Um, you know. <laughs> Well, my drinking days go for a long time ago. I I drink. I started. I started as a wee lad, but um, I I never I never was really one to like you know mix things. So like when I did start drinking heavily and and looking for my drink, um, I you know I started off with brandies with the cognacs and you know I'm I'm here at Scotch, but I kind of stayed away from a lot of mixed drinks except for like martinis. I always like martinis. I do like old fashions, uh, especially the ones we had at that one place where. Or uh, the bar. Yeah, the Australian uh, restaurant bar. Yeah, oh, yeah. man, we sat there and just had like five rounds. I know. That was I'm so glad we had a DD. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't, but <laughs> we were. But no, nah, but it's, I always I always appreciate, I, I always feel that if uh, you should appreciate what they're trying to do. Like vodka, I hate, I even drink, I, even though I'm not a big vodka man, I will prefer to drink vodka straight than having it mixed with anything. Um,. Yeah, I agree with that. But typically, if I'm gonna have a vodka, it's in a, um, it's in the martini, like very typically. Like I normally, I don't do a uh, vodka tonics really. Um, well, I do vodka tonics. Like if I'm taking a cruise and I just want something to sip throughout the day, but it's not like, um, it's not like a casual drink, or it is a casual drink, but it's not like something that I'm going to look forward to. Well, you know see, what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's the. That is like my liquor equivalent of a Corona. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell you something that I like, um, as far as vodka wise. That you know, like people, I like super cold, ice cold vodka, with freshly cracked black black pepper. I have to try that sometime. Yeah, it's actually really really good, and 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 I'm, we're definitely gonna bring this this on the on the uh, show. But my favorite vodka right now is Parliament. It's a very smooth milk filtered vodka. And it's one of the ones that I was like, you know, I can I can go through some vodkas and take it or leave it. This one is like, yeah, I'm taking it. This is this is my bottle. There are yeah. many like it, but this is mine. Hmm. Very good to know. And also, if y- anybody uh, there at home has any recommendations um, for us to drink here, p- 
give us a shout out. Let us know. Um, until that happens, I'm just going to pull whatever I have out the cabinet. Well, we also <laughs> have a place with a lot of scotch. Again, yes. And so that's my entire cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> so I have lots of scotch to go through. See, my problem is I don't keep a cabinet. I mean, I try to, but I keep drinking everything. I would say that sounds like a problem, but I'm a little envious at this point. Well, I literally, <laughs> I literally over the Christmas rake was given like, whew, like 25 bottles of liquor. Asking me how many are left. How many are left? 12. Twelve. That's impressive. That's that's Twelve. impressive. Well, it's not just, just to be fair, it is not just me. It's not just me <laughs> drinking all this. <laughs> My wife is also a lush. <laughs> so <laughs> we are both working on that. And then my daughter, my oldest, is a lush as well. So they've been, we put a big dent in. Uh, um, I see it. I see a trend here. I think oh. I really see a trend. No, we, 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 see, some people drink. We drank. <laughs> we really, we with drank. A, with an A, goddammit. With an A. <laughs> we drank. We, you know. I'm, I'm a, but see, the thing is, you know, I always felt it, felt it uh, was weird in the U.S. that they, um, they had their drinking age at uh, 21, and me growing outside, growing up outside the U.S., where you know you start drinking legally at 16, um, I always felt was better because by that time, by the time you go to school, you're already, uh, I guess, acclimated. You know, you know what your limits are. You know what you like and stuff like that. So when you're when you're off and being an adult, you know, like a lot of kids in the U.S., when they go, they get to college and you hear about all this binge drinking and stuff like that because it's the first time they're actually really to get a, can do it and, and indulge in it. So a lot of times they don't know their limits and, you know, and, and they go overboard. But here and in many other places, I you know, I lived in, like, you know, uh, around the world, because kids are, you know, grow up or people grow up drinking, you know, all the time, it's not taboo. They don't try to hoard it. You know, they don't try to binge drink and stuff like that. So you have less instance of of people, you know, um, hurting themselves. And one of the things that I was very telling about that is when I um, we dropped my my daughter off to to school, um, and she goes to school in France. Um, but the thing was, the other the other American students that were coming over here to go to school when they were released and they realized, oh, I could buy alcohol. You saw them coming out the stores with like just bags and boxes of just filled to the brim of whatever alcohol they can carry, and it was like they were like just happy as a clam, like woohoo, we're gonna go get fucked up and da da da. And my daughter always talks, tells you know, talks about how she feels like the mother hen when she goes out because she knows her limit, she knows what she drinks, but her friends always get shit faced, and she's in the she's usually the one that's carrying them home. Well, I think that says a lot about the about the uh, the culture between U.S. and Europe. You know, alcohol is so ingrained in many countries of Europe where it's a staple. And, you know, it kind of like how it is in America, but it's less celebrated. I would say that, like, they have festivals and things like that um, uh, in Europe where they have, you know, Oktoberfest, they have wine walks, they have so many different um, festivals or opportunities that celebrate the drinking of alcohol, whether wine or beer or whatever, but it's not um, to the point of um, 
uh, to well, celebrity that that Budweiser and Coors and all these you know large uh, uh, beer manufacturers or beer brewers make in the in the U.S. Like it's not on that level where it's it's like oh I'm 21 now I'm gonna get go get fucked up and it's just like no it's these kids have been like exposed to it for well, so long to where it's no longer new. Yeah, but it's also the difference too. Like if you look at it in the states, you know, remember the, the you know, the you have the commercials like, "Oh yeah, have a party. It's time to go have a party and you know, cure cores light and you know, and the women partying and everything like that. The you know, it, it was all around like party 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 around the booze, the beer, the da 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 da. Here, it's more like, you know what? We're going to have a we're going to have a you're going to go party is this Drinking is just normal part of everyday life, so you know it's not as taboo. It's not like a you don't here you don't go even though they have a lot of festivals around you know drinking wine fest and stuff like that. It's like yeah, you're doing this because you're you're celebrating something, but this the drinking is just a normal part of it, you know, because you're gonna drink every like you know you drink every day, you know you you drink like it's nothing. Yeah, but it's so you so when you grow up, like even with me, like when I grew up and I was at the lake, like I didn't know there was a different legal age to buy booze when I was in the States because it was like I could always buy booze. Mm -hmm. You know, when I hit it, when I was a teenager, I could go out and buy whatever I could go out and buy beer when I was 16. And then I had to wait a little bit later to buy, you know, harder alcohol. But it was still available. If someone gave me uh, brandy or cognac or something. Even when I was like 16, 17, it was not taboo. It was like that was just normal. Um, and then, you know, 18, you know, you could buy whatever you want. But it wasn't until I went back to the States and they're like, oh, you have to be 21 to buy alcohol. And I'm like, I've been drinking all this time. I was like, why do I have to wait, you know, artificially two more years to, you know, drink this stuff? Yeah. And I really hope that changes. But I think like an entire cultural shift will have to change with that. Kind of like the whole mindset of, of people, uh, but you know, yeah. but that's racist. Whatever, <laughs> ages, ages. Whatever no, no, racist. no. I was right, racist, because that's going to bring us into our first topic of the podcast. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. Apparently now, uh, if you are an American that does yoga, you are Whoa. subscribing to white supremacy. Well, I was going to say, you know, hold up, pale face. If you are white and do yoga. Because I think us darkies can still do yoga. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. Can you? I don't know. Because I've it never, keeps I've never, I've never seen that though. That's what I'm saying. So apparently, like, I, bet, I bet people can, but I've never seen it. Well, see, apparently there's a there's pos- there's this minority me- memo that goes out that allow that tells you what people can and cannot do, and for some reason I keep missing it. You must have got off the distro list. I probably because <laughs> sometimes I like sit there and they're like, oh, you know, we're not we're not supposed to do that. I'm like, what? You know, when when like they had a boycott of Target, I'm like, when were we when were we boycotting Target? I I didn't get that memo. But yes, like, but yes, folks, you heard me right when I said that yoga is racist. Uh, so according to the independent.co.uk website, Americans who practice yoga quote contribute to white supremacy, claims uh, Michigan State University professor. Religious studies professor Sharina, yeah, Sharina Gandhi argues the practice has flourished in the U.S. from the cultural void of white society. Um, I will put this down in the description, but it is just like a big, 
the fuck? Like what? Like it's me being on a mat and stretching is 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 racist? How is that? It's pants on head retarded. That's what it is. I mean, so here's here's the history. Or you can sit there and look at the history of yoga, um, as far as the West. So previous to Generally, when yoga was brought into the Western society, it was usually the domain of hippies, right? So, like, in the 50s, 60s, you know, and even in the 70s, if you found someone who did yoga, they were generally some hippie living on some ashram and some commune somewhere, and that was a, it was a hippie practice. Um, and to be honest, if you really want to be fair, and, and, you know, and this is why people need to actually understand history and what's going on, it was actually Indian Americans actually pushed for more yoga to be accepted mainstream. And in the 80s is when yoga really blew up in Western cultures because they were pushing it for the health benefits that it brings. And it was to show that, you know, hey, uh, you know, Indian people are, are really smart because you, a lot of things that you mean, a lot of things from India were actually kind of, you know, cherished. I know some people were like, it was appropriated. Shut the fuck up. They were actually cherished. I mean, the biggest one, uh, other than curry, um, was the Kama Sutra. You know, that was passed around. Yeah, so especially now, it, so not anyone who who has sex in weird uh, positions is a racist as well for cultural appropriation. Yeah, that, but that that's our move. You can't do. That. Yeah, but in the in, in the in the you know during the sexual revolution, the Kama Sutra fueled a lot of that because it was like oh look how you know enlightened the indian people are because they actually have a manual you know that teaches you about relationships and a big part about that is about sex oh yeah and you know and it was all you know very you know colorful and romanticized like you know they called the vagina the perfume mouse and stuff like that it was it was all this so sexy thing and it filled the revolution so it was like it it brought more people to uh, explore Indian culture outside their own, which makes this shit look to me look crazy because at first there's people who want you to share their culture with you. And now, you know, and that was a big push coming up, especially when I was growing up, everyone was like, oh, check out this culture, check out this culture, check out this culture. Oh, check out this culture. Now they're all like, no, don't do that. That's racist. Well, no, no, no. it's not that. It's that you still have to know and acknowledge their culture. You just cannot enjoy anything from it. Well, yeah, which is funny because it never goes the other way, right? No, it never never does. It never goes the other people way. People love the Internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you people know, love the Internet. People we love jeans. People like cellular phones. People like a lot of things that came from, if we're going to be, if you're going to be on, uh, actually honest, a lot of the, the creature comforts we have today come from white Western culture. How's that light bulb working? Yeah, true. <laughs> it does. I mean, come on now. Like even generating electricity and stuff like that is like a lot of that comes from white Western culture. And if you want to talk about contributions, world, if we if we want to respect everything and you know talk about it, you have to also respect it both ways. You can't sit there and go, "Oh, yoga is racist," while I'm typing on my keyboard and on my computer and posting it on the internet. I'm like, well. It, it it just seems weird to me, you know. We can we can talk about white supremacy. We could talk about the bad things that people do, and I'm not here, you know, saying that we need to arrest, uh, erase negative things that happen. But you also have to remember positive things that happen, as well as the negative things that happen by other cultures. You know, we we're I'm 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 not a person to, to try to play pin the tail on who is the worst person out there. 
because everyone has done some 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 heinous shit and a l- and everyone has contributed to you know our society or as as we as we progress through the history so this whole backlash now to act like everything someone oh the, you guys are doing this is this, this culture well you're yeah, this culture appreciation oh the, you're doing this this is racist dude shut the fuck yeah. up well see i i could see like so i don't like the argument of cultural appropriation at all like i think that it is by far one of the weakest arguments and it has zero logic as far as especially being in a capitalist society um but uh this like so the only argument i could even logically entertain is uh someone outside of a culture literally making a profit off of that culture right so like say a white guy owns an indian casino you see what i'm saying like that's the only thing but then it's like capitalism like he saw a market he saw a bit like he saw a business he grew the business now he's making money like why is that a problem, right? So, well, like, make your own. So, they, all right, so many people say that cultural appropriation is when you take another's culture and you... Enjoy you, it. You, you love it. You enjoy it, <laughs> and you don't, you don't acknowledge where it comes from. And I'm like, no one, no one does that ever. No one does that. There is not a culture... You cannot tell people, you know, because there was... Remember, Rewind, there was a couple of, you know, a couple of months back or, you know, or so... When they were like, if you eat sushi, that's cultural appropriation. I'm like, well, my sushi is made by, you know, Jesus in the back. So, you know, talk to them. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, we didn't mean you. We just meant the the white people who eat sushi. All right, yeah. then shut the fuck oh, up. Oh, well, it's always targeted, though. Oh, it's like, always you know, against it's white not, people. Uh, minorities as a whole are always right now um, um, uh, in the, I, c- I guess you could say in the right or always... Uh, validated in in the the cultural appropriation eyes because it's one community is the minority community versus the majority which at this point is quickly becoming a uh a minority um, and i say that as the terms of all minorities outweigh the majority the majority yeah uh, well well the problem i have with this a lot of this framework is that it's always like non-white versus white Right, and to me, that's oh seems yeah, that's my problem too. Yeah, well, <laughs> of course, D, D <laughs> white man. <laughs> no, but it's like it's it, it. The reason I hate that 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 comparison so much is that it actually erases the different cultures, right? So all minorities are all all cultural groups are not the same. Um, if you try to make everything well, everything. Everyone else, Asians, Hispanics, I hate even saying Hispanics, but Asians, you know, um, black people, you know, stuff like that against white man. The white man is like, okay, that's kind of a, uh, you're kind of ganging up on someone because what you're doing is you're putting, you're putting all us in this one category where we have very, we have differences amongst ourselves and things that are good and bad amongst ourselves and things that need to be celebrated amongst ourselves against one and they always they always paint white people as one monolith like every white person is the same and it's like no that's not even true because you take a white you know you take a british person you take a russian you take a uh, uh, a spaniard cuz spanish people are white yeah. um you take a you know you take an italian you take a greek or something like that israeli, you put them yeah. you, you know, well israeli we we can we can no, argue no, about that they, one they're, too they're pretty light skinned well they tend they tend to turn white when they're in the united states but <laughs> when when they're in israel 
you can't is it, you can you it's very if you've ever been to Israel around real Israeli people it is kind of hard to distinguish them from Arabs it really is I believe that yeah it really is that the, the try to distinguish like if you put a, a, an Israeli and a Palestinian stilly uh, yeah, Palestinian side by side I guarantee you um you're going to have a hard time telling which is which yeah it, i mean it's, well it's i mean those those two cultures and everything are so closely intertwined that yeah, it's essentially like fighting amongst themselves. They're they're more separated by religious ideology than actual genetics. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But again, so you know, but you take like uh, if you're going to take like Armenians and stuff like that, you take all these different te- these different you know Caucasian people and put them together, they're going to be very very diverse. So to sit there and say, oh, it's you know black people, and you know, and that's with any race too. Because even with black people, you take a black person from the United States, you take one from, you know, uh, England, you take one from um, Southeast Asia, because there's black people there. Yeah. You have taken from Africa, you know, and all this stuff and like that. And, and what about the, uh, like, the uh, Dominican Republics and the Caribbeans? Yeah. Like, that's a whole Or, or what do you talk about the Aboriginal? Because like, think about yeah. it, you know, Aboriginals and, you know, they uh, some of them blonde hair, blue eyed, right? You don't find those, like marsupials, you don't find those anywhere else. You only find them in one area. But they would be considered black, you know, anywhere else. So if you take all those people, that's a very diverse group. So when you started to put, you know, oh, all these minorities or where they were like people of color versus white people, I'm like, that's that's really unfair because you're lumping all these people together who have their own differences versus another group who is very diverse within itself. And, you know, to me, that just seems uh, it just seems dumb to do because you're not you're 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 more erasing things. So you have a way just so you can bitch instead of celebrating differences, which most of these people claim that's what they want. Well, they they want to celebrate the differences when it um, when it benefits them. But we both know that um, (coughs) by essentially um, pushing all the whites that you described into one category and all the other minorities into another category, you're much easy. Um, when you do that argument, you're it's much easier to um, to create the narrative that um, whites are the oppressors as a whole, um, and um, and the minorities are the victims, and, yeah. that, and that's hugely what the left is becoming. Well, because they 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 you know they they introduce this thing called the progressive stack. You know, where you try to rack and stack everybody based off of, you know, what level they think they're victims of. And, and that is like, right. get the fuck out of here. Because that is like but damaging and damaging and but damaging But the funny part itself. about that, when you start dealing with, this, you know, a lot of these people who hold these beliefs as ideology, is that it's funny. They'll sit there and talk about, like, you know, the oppression and stuff like that. And it's like, well... Okay, then the Jews step up and go, hey, um, in recent history, we had it the worst. Yeah. And then they'll sit there and go, <gasps> but you're not that oppressed because, you know, you guys are white. Yeah, and you actually took yourself out of it. Yeah. Right? And you're out of it. And, 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 and I, had the, I had the discussion uh, actually very recently is um, you have, um, let's take the, the right now the two main groups that we talked about, the black people and the, uh, and the Jews, right? So who is still claiming reparations or that they want to be um, given some kind of leniency or forgiven for their past or they want something f- that they themselves did not, um, they want to be rewarded for what, what they, then, they themselves did not have to go through. And it's, it's the blacks. You know, like blacks very stereotypically 
are yeah. still demanding reparations, are still saying like because slavery, you know, uh, yeah, you know, it's racist and, and everything. It's, and it's like it's not really a it's not really a thing. Well, see, and that's a very, 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 very touchy subject for me because you know, on one hand, you know, my my parents raised me, and, and I uh, I wholeheartedly believed in the idea of meritocracy, right? Absolutely, I think we both do. Yeah, and you know, uh, and I remember, you know, and my parents just told me to say, look, as a black man growing up, you're gonna have to work a lot harder, um, than than other people to be no, you know, to be to make it. And, you know, my mom used to always say, you have to be better than the average black man to make it. And as much as you know people will probably take issue with that. I was like, no, I, I understood that. I, you know, I understood that I, I'm going to have to put effort into my merits. I mean, effort in there to, 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 to come up. And I did, I, you know, I, I grew up pretty, pretty, pretty successful. I'm very happy with what I did with my life and, and everything else. And I instilled that in my kids. So I am not one of this victim. Like, I don't believe anyone owes me anything. I need to show that I'm, I, I, I believe that I need, had to work to earn the respect to show that I'm worthy of giving these things. I don't want a handout. I want you to show that, hey, I deserve to be here um, because I'm I'm capable of doing this job, not because of some pity party or something like that. Now, I granted coming up, you know, in the early times, the 50s, 60s, and stuff like that, where we were going through the civil rights movement, some things need to be done to make way for people to come up, you know, and, and get these opportunities. But, you know, looking at that now, you know, 50 years, actually going on 60 years past those times, we are, we have the, the, the uh, opportunities. We do literally do have the equality of opportunities, but few of us recognize, fewer of us are recognizing it and taking advantage of those opportunities. And we're allowing people, or we're allowing minority voices out there to shout and say, we still, you know, we're still oppressed. We still, and I'm telling you right now, if you are living in America today, and the 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 idea that you are you are oppressed and there's so many things that are holding you back is fallacious. You literally have the opportunity to make something of yourself, but you have to apply. You have to do it. And the reason I often pick this out is because. They sit there, okay, black people have been in America since its foundation, all right? Since its foundation. We've been there to help build and strength, you know, strengthen America. It has not been, you know, we, so essentially we, we do have a lot of head start. I often tell, you know, a lot of people, especially black Americans, you are more American than African, especially when I, I speak a lot of like, oh, man, we need to go back to the motherland. It's like, dude, I go to Africa all the time. You are not... <laughs> You're not African. You're American, but you know it's good to go over there and see where you, where you know your roots are at. But you 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 have very little in common with uh, with Africans. Africans come up speaking you know several different languages. They 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 depending on where they come from because Africa is huge as a continent and different countries, you know, face d- different types of hardships. Right? You had like uh, you had Darfur, you know, in the Sudan. You had the Janjaweed that was literally wiping out other Africans. Yep, you, you had the uh, Rwanda incident. You had the Rwanda incident. You had the famines in Ethiopia. You know, so depending where you came from in Africa, you you face different things. In America, you don't face those things. You really don't. You don't face those hardships. And the thing that 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 illustrates this a lot is that you know. Uh, Africans that come over to the United States 
uh, by and large, tend to, in a, you know, on an average household income, make more than white people. They tend to make more than white people. They tend to go to uh, schools. They tend to go to uh, Ivy League schools more. They are, you know, they do very well. So to sit there and think, hey, you know, America is so racist, is holding down so many mi minorities, it always amazes me that you, how do you say that when minorities, especially on, on, on uh, average income, success, education, and stuff like that, actually outdo white people? Yeah, and I I completely agree with pretty much every sentiment you just you just threw out there. Um, so I have at least two things I want to address with like your little monologue. One was uh, we both heavily agree on the um, the uh, the the topic of equality of opportunity, not the equality of outcome. Yes, and I think that's a big difference because because. Uh, that's what you're seeing a lot with like the left, you know, like currently now, like y there is far and wide, essentially in America, um, equality of opportunity. Yeah. Far and wide. Definitely. Like there really is. Um, but what is uh, <coughs> what is the contested point is equality of outcome, which obviously if you put uh, different numbers in the formula, you're going to have a different outcome. So if you work harder, if you work more hours, if you have a different pay, if you have different um, background, things like that, you could make more or less than somebody else. Yeah. Um, now, if you think that you are worth more than what you're being paid, it is your responsibility to speak up and ask for that raise or to... Um, divert and go start your own business and make however much you can. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so I, I'm a big believer in that, like equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome. And uh, Russell, not sorry, not Russell, uh, Jordan Peterson has a, has a really good uh, detail on that. I'll try to link that if I can find it down in the description. But um, also the one thing I also liked that you said was black Americans. Uh, I recently had a discussion with a, a friend of mine who, uh, they tried to say that uh, they were African-American. And I was like, okay, where are you from? Oh, from Trinidad. Oh, well, where's that, like, where in, where in Africa is that? You know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things like, uh, I, I see if you're, if you're within one, like one or two generations or something like that, but typically if you are, um, if you cannot trace back your heritage to Africa, like you're, you're American, you just happen to be black. Uh, that's kind of like my thought process on that is well, I mean, you know, you know, go, due to slavery, it's gonna ma it made it harder for people to trace back where it's come. But I think when I, when when I say that is because it's more of a cultural thing, right? You, if you grew up in you you know the Americas, especially in the U.S. or even in Canada, um, or Britain, I'll even put British people in there. If you if you grew up in these these and then Britain is more closer to Africa than America is. Um, if you grew up in these cultures and that that was your life for for generations, um, you are it, it, to say that you're you know African. I, I often say it's better to say you're you're of African descent than to say like, oh, I'm African American because you're not you're not really African. You share nothing. You know, black most Black Americans share absolutely no connections. Um, culturally with Africa, like within the foods you eat, the dress, the what you wear, 
you know, and this, you know, the th- one of the the funny things I used to always, you know, wonder about was that, you know, there was this big push about, you know, getting back into more Afrocentrical centric things. You know, we used to have the dashikis, the kente cloths, and all that stuff. They pushed really hard, but when you went to a- when I went to Africa, I didn't see that. I didn't see the dashikis. I didn't see the kente cloths. I saw them trying to act more like us, like Black Americans. Uh, more than I saw that, you know, so I always found it weird that black um, black Americans try to act like Africans when the Africans were trying to act more like black Americans. And it's just, it's a more of a cultural thing than than really one of, you know, and, and I think we need to understand that identity and understand the difference in black people uh, by where they grew up around the world. Because if you're a black person and, you know, people don't know this, but there is a lot of black people, a lot of Africans, there are a lot of black people in Germany that grew up, and even underneath the uh, um, the Nazi rule, there were black Nazis uh, during during that time. You know, granted that you know that doesn't mean that Hitler liked black people. He just said you know they were there and there were black people, and they were actual that served under the Nazi uh, regime. So they're gonna have a different upbringing and cultural experience than you know others. And I think that's why I hate that whole grouping everybody into one thing because there's so much diversity even within an, uh, a race. Yes. We, 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 fully, we fully agree on that, to be honest with you. Uh, we got to move on, man. Fuck, it's getting right. late. It's getting late. So, uh, so uh, yoga. Do you, do you, do you, yeah, so do yoga, yoga is racist. Want. Yoga is racist. We don't really um, give a fuck. Uh, especially when you start doing the downward facing dog, I feel like that is uh, the highly racist towards me. Well, that's because you have uh, you have no ass. Now, people that's, with that's really people it. with that's ass, good. I think it's better. I would I would rather I, I would say this, especially to women, because I'm a big sexist. If you have a good ass, a fine ass, I want you to do more yoga. You need to do more yoga. We need more downward facing dogs. I appreciate you. If you don't have an ass. Yeah, yeah, and I don't mm. think that they really like it when I wear my yoga pants to the supermarket. Yeah, okay, gotcha. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, right, moving on. on. So uh, there's also another topic that uh, also kind of um, is, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but uh, the if you're a member, or a member, if you're a fan of uh, F1, Formula One racing, uh, you've probably seen the Grid Girls, right? And uh, Formula One has now banned Grid Girls completely uh, from the sport. And, uh, you know, the Grid Girls blame feminists for this, which I can kind of see, uh, because this, you know, I think that this is the next step to... Um, um, you know the cheerlead the the cheerleaders are going to be gone from the sports and all the dancers and all the kind of the uh, the female um, entertain entertainment types like hey you look good so I can uh, I, I can enjoy looking at you Is I think that's going to be all going away because they're viewed by feminists not by anyone else by feminists to be an exploitation of themselves so and you know I feel like it's it's a job and if these women want the job they are they can take it they can leave it but if they know what is what is expected of them and they adhere to that, you know, at that point, it's between two consenting adults, the employer yeah. and the employee. Well, and it's the thing, too. Uh, you know, one of the things I really hate about this new um, quote-unquote progressive ideology is that 
it, it it's really you know and and the beef again I you know always feel like we have to affirm this because the the number one comeback to anyone who you know it, when you start trying to talk common sense is like oh you're just being sexist and you came meow 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 in but case you didn't hear him, he said, you're just being sexist. Meow, 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 meow. meow, meow. meow. I'm going to be very clear when you quote us on that. <laughs> because, you know, most of them are fucking cat ladies. Fuck you. But, um, no, it's it's like, okay, oh, we don't, we don't want. They don't want. It's like almost an assault on, like, norm, normalcy, you know, because they want to go against, like, it, the reason they have the grid girls at the uh, Formula One is that they were engaging in the, you know, they're, they're there to be, like, sort of advertisements. And the reason why they were there to be advertisements is because you have someone who's attractive and pretty, people pay attention to them. We pay attention to people, pretty attractive people. That's what you do. That's what you're supposed to do. That is human nature. That is your that is biology. That's everything inside you because you're looking at someone pretty, and yes, it could be sexual in nature. It's perfectly normal. And in a capitalist society, we harness that and said, Hey, you're gonna be looking at this pretty lady. We're gonna push our product. Absolutely. Perfectly fine. As far as I'm concerned, that's perfectly fine. If you can find a way to make more money, go for it. But the thing that makes this so ridiculous is that feminists um, amongst this current wave of feminists, uh, the most retarded wave, uh, is that they they're acting like they, you know, mama knows best on all women's issues. And the thing I like about this article is the women are saying, no, fuck you. We have a choice in what we want to do. Yeah, and uh, in the article on the wish on from the Washington Post, uh, Michelle Westby uh, wrote on Facebook that her experience as a grid girl helped pave the way for her entrance to the male-dominated world of stunt and drift competition driving. She also said a lot of women will lose a source of income thanks to quote unquote feminist. She said she goes she goes on to say, "I'm now retired from it." from it all but to think girls have now lost a lot of important income because feminists think they know what is best uh, when they haven't got a clue is really frustrating we have our own voice we love doing the job this is all basically because some men can't control what comes out of their mouths and has nothing to do with girls which i agree with the sentiment but i cannot agree with that do no. not blame men for this bullshit. No. This is all on, this is on women. women trying to force that down. Uh, on women. Yeah, so now essentially it's kind of forcing men to adhere to men. I say men because we're typically the CEOs of these large companies. Um, it's forcing uh, us to make those decisions in order to stay in the PC lane and not be sued and in the headlines and all that bullshit. Uh, but she goes on to say, um, I can walk past a building site and get the same comments. So why suddenly a job should or uh, get the same comments? So why suddenly a job should be taken away due to the, some unwanted male attention is a joke. What's next? No female magazines, commercials, dot dot dot. Where does it end? End quote. Um, I completely agree with her sentiment, and this goes back to what I said earlier about um, if uh, if your employer or your um, proposed employer says, hey, we want uh, you to stand on the sidewalk uh, looking very good and holding a sign that uh, says free taxes for the first 500 people. Uh, you're doing an advertisement job. Um, and uh, if you are okay with that, then that is between you and your employer. Um, f 
you know, it because yeah, biology, sex cells, yeah. period, point blank. Um, you know, we're programmed for that, and so uh, to essentially be demonized for that kind of uh, behavior is uh, is is really shitty. Because there's also um, with the the previous Summer Olympics, I'm sure you've seen it, LT. Uh, you have the um, one magazine. I'll have to go back and find it, but one magazine tweeted um, uh, the uh, female object or objectification uh, is wrong and everything like that. But then they go on like a few posts later to to literally objectify like swimming men or the, yeah, the men's the swimming, men team, swimming team, where yeah. they they take picture pictures of the abs and packages of the swim team and they analyze them. Yeah. Like, how is that un- not like duplicitous? Well, and, <laughs> like, and that's the thing about this whole this whole re- it's it's okay. So the thing is with the progressive um, ideology and ideologues stuff like that, the 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 core thing about them is hypocrisy. They are the biggest hypocrites ever because they'll sit there and tell you, "Oh, this is wrong," but it's okay when we do it, and it's a load of shit. And the the you know uh, uh, the go back on why we say sex sells so. I remember, um, and this was many, many moons ago. This was a uh, we were we were doing a charity car wash, right? And you know how you know when people do car washes, they stand outside and they have people, you know, have billboards like "Come to our car wash" and stuff like that. Well, yeah, they get bikinis and stuff. Y- well, yeah. Well, me being a very big, very fit, muscular black dude, I was told by one of our female members is like, "Hey, you know what would help? Why don't you go out there, take your shirt off." You know, we're going to oil you up. We're going to have it, you know, hold this sign out. And I guarantee we're going to get, you know, we're going to double our, our intake. Yeah, you're going to get that one weird-looking trucker that's just going to, like, rub his belly button and be like, get in there, I mean, all, there ni- get in there all nice and deep black. Well, you know, I'm sexy as hell, so. That well, that's a quote from Dodgeball. I don't think it's really. I know, okay. no, that's what it's right. from. But you are not taken away from my sexiness, and that's what this is all about. Okay, as long as you get in there all <laughs> nice and deep black, I got no problem with it. <laughs> but no, seriously, but that, you know, so it was a female, it was a woman who suggested we do this, and you know what? It's exactly what happened. We got more people. We had girls out there in bikini top, and they had me out there shirtless. All right. Uh, and, you know, my big Terry Crews looking ass was out there and we got more people because sex sells. It does. We objectify every everyone objectifies everybody. If you didn't objectify anyone, we would not have the population we do because you objectify people when you want to bang them. It's just what happens. All right. It doesn't mean that you don't. And the thing was, they always automatically result like, oh, when you objectify them, you're treating them as an object and you don't see them as a person. A person is an object, you fucking dumb motherfucker. So it is nothing wrong. Objectification, both on men and women, is not wrong. The, they had this shit with the, you know, uh, you know, being big gamers. There was a thing that, that I always found hilarious is that there was an article, uh, was like last year, where the gamers were like, oh, in the new Street Fighter, the women are being objectified. Look at this. Look at this. Like, oh, my God, objectification. So then they came out with this new costume for uh, Rue where he's shirtless, uh, shirtless with a beard and he's all buffed and ripped. And they're like, then the articles was like, why it's okay to objectify hot Rue? And I'm like, you hypocritical oh, abso- bitches. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's systemic, but it's, it's expected nowadays, and it's like um, it's essentially men can't be victims is really the what it's teaching. 
Yeah, it's, it's the basically, yeah, and they always try to play that shit like, oh, well, you can't, you know, they do the whole thing. You can't be racist against white people. You can't be sexist towards men. You always, they're always trying to find a way to exclude themselves from the same he- behavior they're demonizing someone else for. What? That's <clears throat> fucking cray cray. Message. That's fucking cray cray. Oh, man. <sighs> Man, you know what the funny part about this? You know, a lot of people in this they actually know us. They're gonna listen to this and be like, "These guys are a bunch of Trump supporters." Da, da, da. Neither no, one not, of us, not neither e- one of us voted for Trump. You dumb motherfuckers. Not even close. But let me go on a quick rant about Trump, right? Quick rant. All right. So we already said not a Trump supporter, right? But it really fucking grinds my gears, right? When I hear people that shout out, "Not my president," like, yeah, bitch, he is. He is. he's the fucking president. Like, so now all you can really do is treat him like any other president. You can, you can, uh, you can not agree with what he says. That's fine. You can hold him to a higher standard, which you should. You should not demonize him for shit that you believe he's done without evidence. Uh, you know, he's the fucking president. You need to give him that. Again, you know, this is one thing I, I talk about America and why people. When when I hear Americans whining about how bad America is, I really want to like slap them in the face because <laughs> you you're sitting there like really you're whining about this. I said you really live you live in a country lit- where you can talk shit about your leaders like openly, not even hide it. We could have straight up protests with signs that says like Trump sucks dick. Yeah, you could do pictures, caricatures. You could mock them on TV. And the funny thing I like about, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about this is so, you know, again, hypocrisy is that the, you know, now everyone, everyone is doing the, the, the people on the left or the Democrats are doing the exact same thing they, they used to accuse the Republicans of doing about Obama. You know, they were like, oh, you're being, you know, racist. You're talking, demonizing Obama and this, and you're going out there. I was like, you're doing the exact same thing to Trump that you did to Obama, that the other side did to to Obama. I said, we we don't go any further because it's it's all tribal and it's us versus them mentality. So, but you're still lucky because you're able to do that freely. You're able to make fun of people's hands and the, the president's penis and his ears and stuff like that. And nothing happens to you. I have literally, literally lived in places that if you talk shit about the leadership, you will be gone. Gone. Dead serious about that. You couldn't say shit about the people in charge. So. (sighs) Americans are a bunch of whiners. That's what the bottom line is. Well, because we can. But. So do you remember the uh, my toast from earlier? Oh, yes. Here's to that long, straight piece in Tetris, right? Because it's always so fucking helpful. I'm going to get rid of fucking four or five fucking lines. It's going to be awesome. Ah, well, speaking of video games, uh, according to TheVerge.com, the organ- organizers of the Game Developers Conference, the GDC, have rescinded plans to give the annual Pioneer Award to Atari co-founder Nolan Bushnell after numerous game developers pointed to reports of sexually inappropriate comments and behavior by Bushnell in the early days of Atari. Although the behavior, which reportedly included provocative hot tub meetings and fostering a fraternity culture at Atari, had long been documented documented in multiple interviews and books 
it has sparked new criticism and attention in the wake of the hashtag MeToo movement, which is bullshit. So, first of all, in the early days of Atari, LT was when? The 70s. W- what else was happening during that time? We were coming off the sexual re- revolution, and we were getting into that big groove funkadelic scene. Right. So, essentially, that was like the live and let live kind of era. That was the ages of Quaaludes. And s- a matter of fact... The not only just the Quaaludes, you had the Spanish flight. Like everyone was trying to hook up. That was the disco scene, right? You know, that That's was like, like Studio Fifty Four shit. Yeah, exactly. And to sit there and try to hold people accountable for what they did then is just freaking stupid. Yeah, well, that's like um, uh, that is like I can't think of a good uh good one that like a good uh, example, but yeah, to hold this guy accountable for something he did, what forty. Almost fifty years ago. Yeah, like, like really, dude. Like really. And like, this is, this like is it was completely one hundred percent appropriate and acceptable at that time. At that time, at the time, like there were no reports. It was like, yeah, we had a hot tub meeting. It was great. You know. Well, even the women that worked there. So there. I mean, I don't know if this it says in this article, but I did read another article where um, a lot of the women that actually worked there for Atari and worked for Bushnell at the time were coming out and saying, "Hey, uh, you guys didn't even reach out to us." And that's another thing I, I get upset with the feminists and the ideologues for because they tend to speak for people. They tend to speak. They've been they're offended for other people and not let the people who actually witness it, you know, live through it. It speak. So there were like several women who, uh, I, you know, worked for Atari at that time. You know, talked about how they felt and they're like, no, that's just that was the environment. That was the seventies. That's how things were. And, you know, you could grant to say, oh, well, you know, there was still sexism and misogyny and all that back then. I was like, yeah, there probably was and there is now and it's never going to go away. I'm sorry. It's never, ever going to go away. Yep. Because men, men will be men and, and women, women will be, be women. And even though you're going to try to tell us that men or women are the same, we know th- reality says otherwise. But biology says otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> science, bitch. Science, but they don't. Well, it's not science when it doesn't conform to what they're trying to say. Well, well, I'm trans knowledge, so I don't agree with that statement. <laughs> well, I identify it as someone who's always right about everything. So, oh, so you're wrong. All right. <laughs> so, uh, but going on to uh, this article in the Verge, it's essentially saying that uh, you know because of the. Um, his incidents, not even incidents, because of his behavior in the past. That was well uh, documented. That's well documented, and it's just now coming out as being um, against the, the cultural norm or what, what they're looking for, the, the against the PC. Uh, so they are not giving him the uh, the Pioneer of the Year award, which it's, it's like saying, um, Neil Armstrong, we know you were the first guy to step on the moon, but... Uh, you stole some bread when you were like six, so because of that, we don't really want to give you this shit. Yeah, and you know one of the things. Uh, so a lot, a person that they quoted a lot uh, in these articles about this this award is a fucking asshole, piece of shit of a human being named Brianna Wu. Uh, if Brianna Wu was uh, on fire and I had a bucket of water and a bucket of gasoline, I would pour the gasoline on because this is a shitty human being. Um, and this shitty human being is trying to run, run, you know, for Senate or and and one in district, trying to run for government. And if this happens, uh, I I just will never return to the states because it's all hope is lost. But Brianna Wu 
besides being a um, <laughs> a very loosely termed a game developer, created one game, and you know one game where she sexualized all her female characters, you know and. I then, wonder why that is. Maybe then, it's because sex sells, and, and she then, wanted to sell a bunch of video games. Well, and then complained about sexualized female characters. It's like you created a game. So, for those who don't know, Brianna Wu is a tranny, and yes, I said tranny. Go fuck yourself. Um, uh, who you know started into video games and decided to get on the j- jump on the bandwagon, where you know the whole feminist things and how we need to change go- game culture to. To to conform to us and all this, and she she uh, and, and I'm being very nice saying she um, developed this game where it's all female. They're all very sexualized, all very skinny, all very petite. You know, basically she made a game of what she wished she could actually look like, but doesn't. And then went on a rant about how how video games sexualize the females. So go fuck yourself. And then another thing is that she's a lying bitch. She's a lying bitch. She she got to fame and was on TVs and news reports because she said that oh, all these misogynist game you know gamers out there they're targeting me and they're hating you know, my family. And it was like, well, what happened, Brianna? Oh, well, I just called them names and called them piss babies and made memes that made fun of them, and then they hit back. And if you don't know anything about the internet, if you hit, prepare to be hit back, and that's what happened. The internet hit back, and instead of going, oh, fuck, I probably, I done goofed, she went and played the ever-prevalent victim, victim card. Exactly. So then everyone was like, oh, and then she she had the nerve to, like, do on an interview. She's like, I was so scared I had to leave my house. And the internet, you know, people often call it weaponized autism. They <laughs> sat there, and they're like, how, he's like, wait a minute, these are pictures of you in your quote-unquote studio, and you're doing the interview in your quote-unquote studio, but you just said how you were scared and you had to leave your house. So you're scared to leave your house, but you come back to do your interview in your house? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's um, it's anything they do or they'll say whatever they can in order to milk uh, the most amount of victimhood they can. Yeah. And and that's, uh, again, it's, it's something that I've talked about before of the left is constantly eating themselves. And they are just digging themselves into bigger, bigger holes because it is a competition on who can be the bigger victim. Exactly. And that is a, that's not a healthy way at all to it's live as a person or has to be as a, as a society. It's not. Um, and it's uh, because once you start playing the victim, you're essentially trying to alleviate yourself of any kind of Respons- responsibility. Yeah. And you're like, no, I was the victim. I got fucking pissed drunk at this place and it passed out on the floor and I woke up in some guy's bed. It's like, so why did you get pissed drunk and fall asleep on the fucking floor? <laughs> like, like, why didn't or, you just go home? <laughs> or or uh, why did you, you know, it, it, even be, it could even be worse than that. They're like, oh, I went out and I got pissed drunk and I woke up and someone stole my wallet. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what happens when you lose, you know, sight of your old faculties and, and, and you make yourself a victim, a target in public. And that's, you know, they always say, oh, the bl- victim blaming. I, I don't believe the thing I have with victim blaming is that it, just because you're a victim of something doesn't mean you did not play a part in it. And two, 
The only time I think victim blaming is wrong is when you are blaming something for someone, f- blaming some someone for something they had absolutely no control over, right? Yeah, I completely and, agree with that. And yeah. what I mean like that is like you know I don't I don't, I'm not gonna uh, victim blame a child for child abuse because a child generally has no control over that environment. I'm not. I will blame you if you go outside and they say, hey, um, you might want to you know, wear a reflector while you're running down the street and you don't and then or you get hit by a car. I'm going to be like, hey, uh, dumbass, didn't we just tell you not to do that and you did it anyway? You went for, for a midnight run wearing all black. Yeah, and then got hit by a car and then go, oh, I'm a victim. I'm like, no, you, you, you're an idiot. That's, that's the difference. And, you know, and I understand things happen to people. But you also have to understand that there's also a time where you you have to people have to look back and see uh, how they played a part. You know, that's why I like Bill Burr's Bill Burr's bit with the rattlesnake. You know, he's like, why is no one? He goes, he's like, if a if a guy goes over and gets bit by a rattlesnake, no one sits there. And, you know, people ask questions. No one just automatically, go, oh, you poor baby. Everyone goes. Ooh, what were you doing? Were you <laughs> fucking with it? Because that implies, you know, that lets you know if you got bit by a rattlesnake, you probably, you know, they're going to ask you questions on how it happened. But we don't do that when it happens to, we don't yeah. do that when it happens to women. Yeah. And I think that's wrong. If you really want equality, if, you know, everyone else like equality, we want to be able to treat it the same way as a man. We want to get to what a man gets. Okay, well, you're going to have to get on the same scrutiny that men get because men fall under a lot of fucking scrutiny. Did you hear the fucking rattle? <laughs> Did you get bit after? Yeah. It, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. How'd you, you know, oh, I got bit by a rattlesnake. How the fuck uh, did you get bit by a rattlesnake? They literally have a warning bell. Like, what were you, yeah, that was, that's, what were you doing? What did you do to get bit by a rattlesnake? Those are questions you'll ask. But you can ask that of men, but then we ask that of women, we're, we're considered victim blaming. I'm sorry. There are some times you play a part in what happens to you. Not every time. Not every time. But it does happen. So moving along, going to this thing, we're going to go to uh, uh, our last topic of the day where we're going to talk about the BBC, uh, the British Broadcasting Company. And the thing about the BBC, which is really interesting and it took place over the last couple of uh, months or so, is that uh, a lot of women stood up and said, uh, you know what, Uh, BBC does not pay women fairly to men because the men are making more and women are not making as much as men and yada 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 and the bbc being you know the cucked institution that it is i like that word um decided to do an audit to actually investigate and see what what's going on with their pay you know the pay practices and what happened well, here's the thing, and this is why I don't give a shit. I don't. I really don't support a lot of these movements and ideologies and these activist movement uh, things because what happened was the BBC did an audit. They examined their pay. Well, well, let's let's uh, let me rewind you one second. Mm-hmm. The BBC brought in two independent auditors. Yes. So this is not like this. This is damn near impossible bias at this point. Yes. Okay. Just they did, the to BBC. That. The BBC didn't examine the BBC and said the BBC didn't no. do nothing wrong. The BBC brought in outside two outside agencies to examine them, and then those agencies still said the BBC did nothing wrong, and it said um, that there is no gender bias in the BBC pay practices. Now, you would sit there and think, okay. This should be a win 
for the women. The women cry. They the the women's. They finally have a place where they have full equality and pay. And right. There's no wage gap. There's no nothing. This is fucking utopia. Well, it's not just that we, we back up. We'll go into what they said. But the fact is that the one I want to look at is that they they made it. They launched a complaint. They were heard because the one thing that we hear all the time is you don't listen to women when everyone listens to women. Everyone listens to women. Women, bitch, 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 and we listen to them. We don't always capitulate, but we listen because we hear it. But they made a complaint. They were heard. Action took place. When the action came, when the results came back, it said, hey, there's no gender bias. But And the BBC said, oh, but we did find some discrepancies at these lower pay rates. And it actually led to more men getting raises than women. Now, feminism, as they always tell us, is that they're looking for the equality among the sexes. Men and women should be treated equal. Yeah. They say that, but when it in reality, that's not what happened. Because what happened was, because of this, this the audit, the results, the women are not the women, the feminists are not happy with the results, and they are criticizing the BBC for missing the point, for listening to them, reviewing their pay practices, and finding discrepancies. Now, women are getting raises too. But more men are getting raises because they found that there was some inequality. So what you're saying is that they found in inequality in some form and corrected it. And people are still mad. They people, people. Uh, uh, women, uh, feminists are still feminists. mad. Because this is not all women. And I no, don't, we never want to make it. Because we know all women are not like this. And no. I, I usually find, I usually limit feminists to uh, a small a minority because they are they're more a small minority of women to consider themselves feminists because they don't the majority don't because they they see them as you know retarded <laughs> now seriously but they they see them this way because um a lot of them you know they're they they do see obstacles that what that they have to face when they address them and, and work through them you know they work to solve the problem the feminists whine. The feminists are never satisfied. They they got what they want. The BBC capitulated to them, got what they want. They got the results back, but because it didn't lead to, it didn't come back with the results that they thought it should be, they, they're not happy. They're not happy. You know, when you sit there and say, oh, there's a gender bias, you know, and pay, and then they do a result and they say, oh, there's no gender bias. This is from outside people. This is not an internal one. And oh, by the way, we we did find some discrepancies, and we're going to pay people more, in this in the name of equality, which led to more men getting raises. Women did too, but more men because they found that a lot of more men were being underpaid for their services. And and men were taking pay cuts. Men took pay cuts. More men got raises. Raises. More men, higher pay men, took pay cuts. And they're still not happy. What? Still so the so the article goes on to say uh, I'm going to read about uh, probably two paragraphs from this article. So it says, however, rather than gender bias, the report blamed the problems on a lack of clarity and openness in the BBC, as well as the financial constraints it has operated under for the past decade, which has held back the pay of younger stars compared with older generations. Now, what that tells me is that these older generations that have been doing this for so much longer and are 
the staple of the BBC news and TV community or the entertainment community, they're getting paid more than the new up-and-comers who have not essentially paid their dues yet. Like, how is that how is that any problem? Like, that is, in the military terms, you know, uh, if anybody can look at the... Um, the uh, the pay grades for the military forces. You know, you have enlisted, you have commissioned officers, and then you have each grade, and then you have time in service. This essentially goes into the time in service because if you've been in 16, 20 years, you're going to be making more than the person at five years. Oh, yeah. And, and that is... Uh, so to have a discrepancy with that, I, I completely understand that. I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah, I should be ma- be making yeah. paid more than this kid who just got hired um, completely um, because that also, um, uh, uh, once you've been doing it for so long, you kind of evoke that uh, that trust with the producers, with the company and things like that where, you all, where when you retire, you're going to get that gold watch. Yeah. You know, you put your work in, you know, you paid your dues. And uh, I feel like you know the age, or not the age, but the um, the the uh, I'll, I'll call it uh, time and service. People are gonna hate me for that, but it's <laughs> like the time and service where it's like, yeah, like you've been doing this job for so long. That's why there's that discrepancy. Yeah, because the more you do it, you know, and you you brought up the military. That is a prime. This is a very good example of that because you can have two people of the same rank, right? But they're not gonna be paid the same be- due to time and service someone who's been in you know five years at you know at a certain grade is not going to make the same amount of someone who's been in you know six years or 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 eight years i should say because it's every two years so eight years you know and it's just you pay your dues you get your rank you get you get more money um there's a lot of people there's a lot of institutions like that you know the same way the longer you've been there the more you're going to get paid and and it's it's essentially a pain for the loyalty, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Uh, so go on to the, the the next paragraph that I wanted to read was the BBC Women's Campaign. Apparently, that is a group um, of, uh, of feminists that are created a group and they like to do things. I don't even want to get into it. Uh, campaign group uh, which represents more than 170. Uh, presenters and producers dismissed the report and criticized it for not properly tackling equal pay. Uh, PwC, which is one of the companies that did the audit, focused primarily on news staff and the BBC's best-paid stars um, in entertainment and sports, such as Graham Norton, Gary uh, Lineker, and Chris Evans, were excluded. Now, I want to say that those guys, those big headliners, were excluded because this goes back to like the Hollywood pay gap argument is if you have an agent, if you're able to negotiate for your wage, it is your responsibility uh, or your or your agent's responsibility to get top dollar. It's not. Yeah, it, it, that's part of it, too. But let's wait a minute. Graham Norton. Big dude. Big dude. So if you're just starting at the BBC and... You, if you think you're gonna start at the BBC, even if you have five, ten years in, and you think you should get paid as much as Graham Norton does, you, you fucking cray cray, son. You are fucking stupid. Well, so I didn't really know much about Graham Norton, but I know that every time I go to my Facebook feed and I start looking at videos of celebrities on the couches getting interviewed by a talk show host, 
95% of the time, it's on a Graham Norton show. Well, so, again, growing up overseas, I was very well, well aware of Graham Norton. And, yeah, I, 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 he's, he's been there for ages. I was, uh, I can look up his, the, his solar face. But the, the thing is, because uh, one of the things that make this hilarious is that uh, there was one of the women, one of their complaints was they didn't make as much as, you know, one of these top earn- earners. And when you sit there and go, okay, well, they actually did a, one of the studies or one of the surveys they did is they looked at man hours worked. Like how many hours did this person put in versus the other? And this woman was, com- you know, com- complaining she didn't get paid enough. But when they did the man, the man hours work, um, he worked like twice as much as she did. And she got paid half as much as he did because she did half the work. She didn't do equal work, and she went on to complain that, you know, one of her things, I don't want to mention that freaking cunt's name, is that she felt that women should get paid the same as men regardless of the work being done. (sighs) Yes. That's all I can do right there is just, like, exasperated sigh because uh, equal pay, equal work, I'm all for that. Yeah, you do the same job. Equal pay, equal work, yeah. You do the same job. Well. The same responsibilities, you should get the same pay. Yeah. Uh, nobody is disputing that at all. Yeah. But what's happening with a lot of this complaining is they're not doing the same job. They're not doing the same responsibilities. And then they're still complaining that I should be paid the same. And that I'm going to have an issue with. And I, and I would have the same issue if it wasn't a woman. So they try to go, like, oh, you're, not, you're just doing a woman. No. If a dude came up. And we've talked about, you know, a, a, a certain coworker at one point. Well, he was actually gone before I, I got there. You know, that people hate it, and he didn't do, he didn't carry the workload as everybody else. They were upset that he got the same pay because he didn't do the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, everybody has that that person at work, right? I mean, everybody has a coworker like that that you know causes animosity or, you know, the slacker at work or things like that. I mean, everybody has that. So regardless if it's male or female or who who they are, if somebody is not putting in the work, they should not get the pay. I mean, period, point blank. Yeah. Um, and to sit there and try to advocate that, you know, you should get paid the same way because, sure, you saw someone, you know, oh, this guy, oh, I should be, he's making this amount of money. Well, I think I'm doing the same job. I think I'm doing the same job. I should get the same pay. Well, you had a study that said you weren't doing the same job. You weren't doing the same right responsibilities. You weren't working the same man hours. You didn't get the same pay. You should accept that. And the thing is, the BBC bent over backwards. This is the one thing that's so funny about this, that the BBC bent over backwards to try to appease and correct this. And then when you when they did so, they're still fucking bitching about it. Well, it's because they can't be a victim at that point. Exactly. I mean, that's. I mean, I feel like that's the theme of the podcast today is, is uh victimization and why it's ruining everything is really you know because we shouldn't be um talking about the victims you know or any kind of victimhoods we should be talking about the accomplishments of of people and that's always a lot lot more fun to talk about like oh fuck you know like a uh, first episode we talked about John Young John mm-hmm. Young this dude did fucking everything right he's yeah. essentially an idol to so many people. I mean, he, he accomplished so, so much. Uh, but, you know, you know, we faced a lot of hardships. You know, I mean, he, he did so much. You're going to face hardships. I, I see motivational videos all the time where, you know, celebrities, people that people or uh, people that other people look up to 
are uh, are talking about failure is the best uh, is the best teacher. Well, you know why that is is because it gives you healthy coping mechanisms, and if you can move past those obstacles, you can succeed. Like, and that's just that's the way that people should learn. It shouldn't be, oh, I didn't ex- I didn't succeed because I'm a victim, and because I'm a victim, you should just give well, it to me. It also too to add into that too is that you know um, people don't also under- take into account that success is not guaranteed. You know, success is not guaranteed. Um, I was listening to one one uh, podcast or, or to wrap it up. It, you know, was talking about you know we we like to push that whole narrative. Don't give up on your dreams. And you know, he was arguing that no, sometimes you might have to give up on your dreams because you might not be at good at your dream. You might be good at something else. You know, it's like that one meme where it says, oh, I know God wanted me to have more in life than this. You know, God, what's my purpose in life? And this is accounting. He goes, accounting, get back to work. You know, you might be good at what you're at right now and not at the dream that you're chasing. So you have to understand and take a self-evaluation that tells you, and you know, and accept that you not might, you may not be, you may not achieve what you want, but you should find what you're good at. Yeah, and, and capitalize on that exactly, and, and and that's that's a big thing. That's like a self discovery kind of thing. Um, but we don't tell people that anymore. We're telling them that you you if you don't get that what you want is because you're somehow in, oppressed and you know someone's holding you back and you know it's because uh, it's either racism, misogyny, sexism, or something that's holding you back, and other than your lack of skill. Well, that's uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up on that fucking <laughs> note, man. Like it's uh, this has been actually a really enjoyable podcast. I, I feel like there's been a lot of uh, women and feminist bashing. I won't say women. I'll say feminist. I say feminist, but I don't mind bashing feminists. I really don't. I don't want to. And I want to make sure the distinction, the clear distinction between bashing women and bashing feminists. All, all women, the majority of women, are not like that. They're very reasonable, logical, dependable. And should be recognized for the work they do. Feminists can go fuck themselves because they're a bunch of fucking whiny, man-hating, cat-fucking-having uh, little bitches. Whiny cunts, as I think my friends in the UK fucking likes to call them. Cunts. I think I just sounded like an Irish Scotsman. There are women. I don't know how that was. <laughs> they're women and they're whamming, you know. They're the whiners. I hate those. I hate the. I hate whiners. I hate whining. Dependent. No matter who it comes from. I can actually attest to that. <laughs> yeah. I anyway, guys, thanks whining. for uh, joining in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Choose.